You are listening to a podcast message brought to you by DeAndre Cole, also known as DC James, Senior Pastor of Nations and Covenant, a transcultural community of Christian believers based out of the Hampton Roads District in Virginia. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Isn't God good? Oh, come on, that's about half of y'all. Now, I know, I, know, I know at some point, you know, it may be where most of us didn't grow up in church, but the Bible talks about that he's put it in every one of us to know him. Just through creation. Just, be, just by looking at how you've been wonderfully made. So is God good? And if some of us are not happy about how our bodies are made, the Lord even says in his word that he's got another body for us as well. We, we got to upgrade. Touch somebody say, I got an upgrade coming. <laughs> even the house that you live in you may not be happy with it but the Jesus said that in my father's house there's many mansions so you got another spread coming come on somebody <laughs> mortgage already paid off <laughs> praise God oh hallelujah hallelujah I'm excited today I had an illustration that was given to me and I believe it's going to encourage you today that song was just so appropriate and the song, or the, uh, the word was, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And we've heard that, I don't know how many times, I'm kind of rattling in the monitor here. Can you, can, can you can adjust that for me? <clears throat> and I've heard that all the time. And you know, when you're going through certain things, sometimes having just a word like that, it's like, well, I need something a little bit more stronger. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's fine, but how does that work? How does that apply? And this illustration was just a wonderful illustration. An illustration was a submarine. A submarine that is underwater has to have pressure in it that's greater than the pressure that is on the outside. The planes that we fly, even though you may not be in first class, we're working our way up to it, aren't we? The pressure, it has to be greater inside that plane at the altitude that it flies against the pressure that is against it. The spacemen who go into space, who have a space suit, greater is that pressure inside than the pressure on the outside that would crush them. And when I began to see that, I began to say, God, thank you, because I'm in the pressure of financial situations. Come on, somebody. I- I'm in the pressure when it comes to dealing with the dictates of the world in the school system with their peers. I have a, that's a lot of pressure on me as a father to make sure they get the teaching in order for them to grow up in the way that they go. But God says, that pressure inside of you is greater than that precious pressure on the outside of you. Doesn't that make sense? And so you got to begin to understand this now from a different perspective, that God has built up such a greatness in me by coming to dwell inside of us in order to make sure that we can withstand any thing that comes against us. Praise the Lord. Isn't that good news? We need that. We need that in this hour. I don't think there's nothing wrong with peer pressure as long as it's the right pressure. (laughs) Well, anyway, we're going to get into the message. Pastor has been doing a wonderful job, don't you think? Ministering to us about fellowship, about the body of Christ, how important that was, how important it is how important it will be as we are here practicing for heaven. How many of us had a good Thanksgiving? 
Well, turkey was too dry, was wrong. Some of us, some of us may have had a Thanksgiving instead of a Thanksgiving, huh? <laughs> fellowship, fellowship, wonderful, wonderful word. I'm not going to, this is not another lesson, so to speak, in the series, but I am going to, if you can call it anything, call it like a bonus message to kind of augment what we've already been getting in our teaching with fellowship. And the thing that God has put in my heart with regards to fellowship is after we come together in fellowship, how do we create a civil social co-op that retains our Christ-inherited values? It's like after the chicken, as, as Pastor talked about, after we do come together and we start to learn some things about uh, uh, different ethnic groups, different cultures, after we come together and we start to understand how some of us are, 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 are wired and how we think, what comes next? How do we, outside of the gathering, become effectual? And I believe that that is one of the greatest questions that we need to answer. Because even though we come together, the Bible says that we should assemble together. We come together in the word, we break bread, we have communion, we sing songs. How dynamic is that co-op out of fellowship once we go abroad? After you're done licking your chops, <laughs> saying your goodbyes and praying, how does that look like? What does that look like? Who does that look like? Praise God. I believe the answer is by understanding our common bonds and ties with one another. And I'm going to take it just from the Constitution of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness or pursuits of aspirations. Those three things are bonds and ties that connect us. Even though our color may be different, even though our age may be different, different backgrounds and different professional uh, uh, perspectives, it's still life, liberty, and the pursuits that keep us connected. I believe that is the thing that causes us to be sociable, for us to have a society. Touch your neighbor and say community. It is a whole lot of things. If we look at community... There, if we break this word down, it's so many combinations that are in here. When I was doing the uh, night of worship, I took community as a noun, and I began to proclaim it as an action verb. So I began to say, come on, unity! Come on, unity! Come on, unity! Because when we say community, we just, it's like it's something that we just kind of place on a pedestal, and we point at it and say, oh, that's community, uh, people together and sharing things. But when you say, come on, unity whole different thing. How, when that word comes as an action, how do you bring your part into the co-op to become a society? Do you bring your color? Do you bring your talent? Do you bring your background experience? Do you bring your pain? Do you bring your status? What do we bring? And I'm talking about what do we bring to where we don't have a hostility in our mind of rejection, of being misunderstood. Hello, somebody. Some of us are willing, but when we hear, come on, unity, vote for this person. Buy things at this interest rate. Have your, your kids go to school with my kids. What does that look like? Because it should be something in us that understands that common unity. And I believe if you really break the word down, community, 
I see the word common, unique ties. Common, uni ties. You see that? Do you see that? So there are unique ties. See, we, we've been squabbling so long over the differences and not celebrating because they are different. And we want to make things the same, like we're the Borg or something. You must assimilate. You have no consciousness other than the commutative consciousness. We are, a, we are the critical mass. Either you think this way or no way at all. So if you are white, brother, act like you're black. <laughs> Say, I'm colorblind. We use these little boys' words. I'm, no, you ain't colorblind. You should be able to see color. You, hello? You should be able to see age group. That's, we have to have the difference. We can't make the young children start growing up to be adults, nor should we as adults start becoming childlike or begin to be of whatever influence in order to be appropriately accepted. And so we have to understand that God has made us different for us to make a difference that we would come together with the consciousness around the bond of life, liberty, and pursuits, pursuits of happiness. There's a lot of argument about, okay, what color was Jesus? What difference does that make? He was about life, as that's why he was purposed, why he was even born. The Bible said he was made manifest, that he would destroy the works of the enemy. All around the things that keep us disunited. Bringing God and man back together into this civil union, this wonderful co-op. You know what? We don't know what color the father is. Nobody has seen him. And you know what? I believe God is strategic in making sure no one sees him, that we would understand the connection that is through life, freedom and the pursuits. Because we would get all hung up. We would begin to say, you know what? God is like me in this way. And so that means it excludes you in this way. And it doesn't bring us together. But God says you have common, unique ties that you're together regardless if you want to be together or not. Because we all need air. Hello. We all need water. Correct. We all need food, shelter. And outside of those things, we all need the human touch. Don't we? We all do. And God knew that. It's not enough for us to say Jesus satisfies. Well, let's begin to see in God's community how those things are fulfilled. If that, if that was the case, none of us should be married. And that's why Jesus says, you know, when you get in heaven in another perspective, you're not going to be given over in marriage like you are on this realm. You're going to be just like the angels. That's hard for you to fathom because you're not there yet. But nevertheless, you are learning something about communing. Touch your neighbor and say commune. Hallelujah. Let's go to the word. Let's go to Ecclesiastes 4 and 7 through 12. And I'll start to show you some things as it pertains to this perspective that we must keep. Because, again, we must begin to understand these unique ties that we have after the fellowship. Amen? amen? Say amen when you do get there. I know I'm reading off of here, so it's a little dark, but kind of bear with it. Is it okay in the back? Can you see those letters? If you don't, make sure you got your glasses. You need sometimes some assistance with your vision. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And if you really can't see, then if you've got a spouse or a friend, help them. Tell them to help me read as we go along, and I'll try not to go too fast, okay? We'll read through the scriptures, charge the atmosphere, and then we'll take another tour to look at the, port the portraits, okay? Everybody with me? 
Let's read all together if we could do that as a community. Then I returned and saw vanity under the sun. There is one alone without companion. He has neither son nor brother, yet there is no end to his labors, nor is his eye satisfied with riches, but he never asks, for whom do I toil and deprive myself of good? This also is vanity and a grave misfortune. Now, this is the, this is the issue here. Growth can either digress, digress or progress. We've got community here. We've had fellowship. We see some things that we may like. There's some things that we have in common. But when it comes down again to life, either life can digress or progress. Life can cease. As much as we're tied together, that's why the Bible in Ecclesiastes talks about a death is better than a birth. Because the death brings sobriety that we all have this in. So in seeing the end, we should celebrate the life and not let trivial things divide us when death is imminent to divide us. Praise God. So that means you should treat your mama right. Hello. The Bible talks about there's a blessing in how you are connected with her other than birth and through blood that has everything to do with life as it pertains to your life when you go on. So as you sow honor, you will begin to reap it in life. Praise God. Isn't that powerful? So growth can digress. Good illustration in that is when you begin to see the creation of the world. And the Bible begins to say, wow, you know, man's spirit, it just didn't strive well with God. Perfect backdrop. So anybody thinking in their mind, if we get a perfect backdrop, we'll be all right with community. Wrong. Adam had the perfect backdrop and still sinned. But let me give you this perspective here. In verse eight, there is one alone. There is one alone without companion. That to me would be a God perspective because God says, here's Adam. It's not good for him to be alone. Even in alone. Now, this is the powerful thing. Alone is all one. Not lonely. All one. And so he began to look at Adam and say, it's not good for you all to be one in one place. There has to be something outside of you that is still of you so you can begin to see the compatibility. So you can begin to relate and touch with it and talk with it. Praise God. So here it is, this perspective that we have to understand if we're going to progress here with understanding our unique ties is the mentor perspective that says, you know what? It's not good for me to be alone. Now, at that point, we either digress or progress from that insight. But see, here it is. This is where God makes the provision when you don't even know how to figure it out. God said, I see man in that situation, and it's not good. So here it is. If you're in that situation, you're all alone. God already knows it's not good. And he has a way of bringing you unique ties and connections. Oh, praise God. I'm taking my time. We're going to get there, okay? He has neither son nor brother. He has neither pupil or peer. He has a mentor, obviously, God beginning to observe, knowing that we're not good alone. But he has nothing to the left, to the right, before him or behind him. Yet there is no end to his labor, nor is his eye ever satisfied. But he never asks, and this is really critical. This is where the curse comes in. 
where there's the lack of vision, lack of understanding, lack of, there's no wisdom, there's not even humility or fear. Sometimes fear causes you to answer questions. True? So healthy fear, not fear to where it paralyzes you, but fear to where you ask something. You better say something. You better open up your mouth. Hello, somebody. So the critical thing here where we are as a body, if we're going to grow as a community, we must begin to ask the question. And let me let you know, when you think about the tongue, the tongue is a critical member because it's the pivotal point. If you think of anything that is pivotal, it is small. The tongue pivots. The Bible says in the book of, uh, uh, I think it's in the book of James or the book of Peter, where it talks about the, son, the tongue being a little member amongst the body to where it, when it talks, turns and navigates the whole body. Matter of fact, more outside of the body, it can navigate destiny. Just the little tongue. The doors that are hanging up on, up on the hinges, the hinges are very small in comparison to the door. And it swings on that hinge. To make a turn, to make a return to God, to repent, is on the balls of your feet. Very small area. Very critical place. The rudder on the ship, very, very small to move the whole ship. Titanic couldn't move quick enough because of the danger that was close. It did turn, but it needed some time as it was big, but it was one little area that needed to turn it. So here it is. To turn it around from digressing to progress, we must begin to ask, where is my mentor? Where is my peer? Where is my pupil? Those are the three things that are very, very critical that we must begin to ask. Can we read on? Can we get to the succession part? Because that's the situation. Let's get to succession. Verse 9, two are better than one. Buy one, get one free. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Woo! Even if you don't need it, a toaster or a bread baker. Who, who, how many people still got them bread baking things? Y'all still got them. Come on, you don't even use them no more. It's just much more convenient to go buy the bread, man. <laughs> because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. Mm-hmm. But whoa, somebody say, whoa. whoa. To him who is alone when he falls. For he has no one to help him. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one can be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a three cord, threefold cord is not quickly broken. We're going to stay in succession. Two are better than one. That's covenant. Two is the number for covenant. I know I'm teaching some deep stuff. I got to get you inoculated for community. For you to automate. See, this is what I believe. These are my convictions. The Bible says one can put a thousand to fly. That's your efforts already ten times magnified. That, that's room for pride. That's room for arrogancy. I believe that's a room for temptation for some of us as husbands and wives to leave our spouse because you can get ten times done by yourself. I'm preaching. I know I'm preaching. But he says, you know what? Two can put 10,000 to flight. Here it is. Now your efforts are 10 times magnified. Anybody that's in investment wants that. How would you like to have your dollar 10 times magnified? 
Hello, men. Don't you want your finances to be 10 times magnified? Because listen to me, the seed form, God, listen, God gives things in seed form so there can be a community to raise it up so that way we can have an effect in our labors in the thing that we commune around. So it can't be built all on you. John Getty, Rockefeller. Hear me what I'm saying. Two can put 10,000 to fly. So if two can put 10,000 to fly, why don't you have a joint bank account, spouses? Mm. Why is it it's something in her name and it's in your name when your efforts can be multiplied 10 times if you come together? It's covenant. God runs to covenant. You got to know that. Two boats by the lake of Genesaret. Jesus comes and sits in one. Really, he sat in both of them because they were a partnership. Oh, come, y'all got to get this. God, if, if the Bible says even if one of the spouses come to the Lord, the whole house is sanctified. <laughs> Why do you think the devil went through Eve and not through Adam to get both of them? Because they had a common, unique tie that was covenant. And your children are covenant with you as well because they are the fruit out of your union. Praise God. Common, unique ties. You can't break them. They're deeper than blood. That's why when it comes down to soul ties, they're not good when they're unnatural and out of the will of God. You need the blessing of God and the blessing of the community when it comes to your spouse. But when we do this Shanghai junk, we go off and elope. You're outside the blessings. And then you come home and you want to put yourself on the register for a lamp, a new bed, somebody to co-sign for your house, but then you do things outside of the community. What is that? That is sin. See, you want community. No, you want the benefits of community. I understand. You want to be a vagabond and a maverick, come in and get you a drink and a haircut and leave town. You don't want to register to vote. You don't want to register on the roll. You don't want to make a unique connection. But I want the benefits of the unique connection. Wrong. Covenant perspective. Two can put 10,000. This is the thing that's so powerful in the succession. Because succession is that which comes after us. That succeeds after our community. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. And they have a good reward for their blessing. That's one thing. You have blessing. But the other thing is you have woe. Woe means grief when you fall. And then you see in verse 11, it says, again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. I believe that this here in this in this succession part, it reasserts the matter in a deeper, intimate relationship. So you have a working relationship where we labor and we get reward. Thank God we can all bop, pop the bubbly and begin to celebrate the victory. But also as a community, we can have woe as we begin to see those things that are in our nation. Louisiana, a good example. Certain things weren't handled in the community the right way and it brought grief. But here it is. You see the same thing at a different magnitude. Another was it Rita. Was it Hurricane Rita? I believe it was Hurricane Rita. At a higher magnitude, it comes to another, ch- another town, and there's almost virtually no incident because the community got together. And they had the buses ready. Just imagine in that city they had buses, but nobody there to man them. 
No one prepared with that understanding. We're here for the community. Most people just bailed. The police department bailed. They forgot about serve and protect the weak. So much in the nation that we began to call them refugees. <laughs> Refuge. Yeah. Refuge. Junk. Yeah, we'll take it out if we want to or whatever. Hmm. That's the digressing. So here it is. You should learn something. The, the, the understanding in that tie, there's the testament of blessing and the testament of grief and the reassertion of the intimacy when we lie down together. You ever hear that term in bed together, even in business? You know what that means? That means whatever you got, I'm going to have. Oh, yeah. Whatever dealings you have, I'm going to have because we lying down. We in, we, we in bed together. It, it, we have to hear that term. Whatever's on you is going to be on me. There's some things that we're buying that is not in Jesus name. When you bought your house, that was in your name. Hello? That's your name on the TRW. So when your spouse marries you and your name is convict, criminal record, debtness, she has what you have. Though they may be overpowered, this is powerful. By another, two can withstand him. When you have, whenever you begin to see those types of things in the Bible, they are spiritual keys. They are formulas and equations. You must hold on to that because the one works with the other. You can't have an equation without those quotients involved. Praise God. You just can't have it. You can't raise your child Catholic over here and Jewish over here. Universal over here and... Unitarian over here. I'm, I'm talking about pagan religions, but nor can you have Christ and then someone who is just not even in decision. It's no agreement because that's what gets imparted. You can't stand. And the enemy has a way into that tie. And he weakens the tie. That's what he does. Weakens the tie to break it. <laughs> Let's get into the progression, which is a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Cords are ties, they're connections, they exhibit measure, standard, and rule. Those chords, the Bible says one accord. When you play music, there's chords that we play in music. There are measurements of sound, pitch, and tonality that bring and harness a certain mood and charges the atmosphere in such a way. If there is agreement to where, not, listen to me, it's not just flesh. The Bible talks about the two flesh becoming one, but no, it's the accord of mind and heart. Surrounded around a measure, a standard, and a rule. You ever heard the term rule of thumb? You know where that comes from? That a man could beat his wife with a rule no bigger than his thumb. So don't use that term anymore. Rule of thumb is, now see, the concept is correction. See, when you have a measurement, it gives you the correct way to measure and then build or establish that rule. So the concept is, is beautiful. The concept is beautiful, but you should use standards to bring the correct measurement. What did Jesus do? He took a cord, twisted that bad boy together so it wouldn't break, right? And chased that mess out of the church. See, now you look at that, you go, oh, my God, Jesus is... 
beaten. <gasps> no, he's bringing standard rule and measure. All the while, while he's whipping, he's making sure he whips the right people in the right spot at the right time with the assertion of this is a house of prayer. You ever get those whoopings? I told you not to do that again. How many times? Don't say that because they can't tell you how many times. <laughs> Some of us are getting that in our finances. How many times? Do I? The God's not saying that. God is saying, I've already spoken to you. God is, you know, God is declarative. He's not suggestive. Well, if you would like to today, give me <laughs> your ties. No, 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 no. He's declarative. That means when he speaks it, he makes it upright. He makes it stand. He makes it firm. Because he has a common, unique tie through life, liberty, and pursuit. You can't pursue nothing if you're tied up. And you know what? You can't live for nothing unless you're alive. This is the end of part one.